Hey guys, welcome to the very first episode of YYGS Beyond, or Yale Young Global Scholars Beyond, a podcast for YYGS alums and students interested in YYGS, where we talk to YYGS alums about YYGS and how they're following their passions to make an impact on the world. We are your hosts. I'm Ivan Zhu from South City, California, and I attended YYGS Connect ASE BBS Session 1. And I'm Noah Tan, coming to you from Stevensville, Michigan, and I was in YYGS Connect PLE Session 1. Since this is our first episode, let's explain how it'll go. Our episodes will be split into two segments. The first one, where we talk to guests about YYGS, what we loved, or didn't like so much, and a second segment where we discuss our guests' passions and how they're making an impact on the world. Now, without further ado, let's welcome our guests for today, Adi Singh and Guillermo Mendoza-Franco. Hey guys, why don't you guys introduce yourselves? Okay, um, I'll go, I'll start. Um, Hi guys, I'm Adi. Um, I'm from New Delhi, India, and I attended uh, SGC1, and yeah, I'll pass it over. Um, hi, everybody. I'm Guillermo Mendoza. I come from Cochabamba, Bolivia, and I attended uh, YYGS Connect Session 1 uh, BBS. So first of all, thank you guys for making the time to join us today. Uh, we'd like to get started with asking truly the most important question of the day. How do you guys stay awake for YYGS Connect? Stay awake? Oh, <laughs> I was honestly lucky enough that <laughs> it, it started at 4 p.m. for me, and I think it went on till 10 p.m., but the seminars were definitely a pain for me because waking up every single day at 4 a.m. <laughs> was, <not a, laughs> was, was not my idea of how I wanted to spend my summer, uh, but I felt that it was totally worth it, and... I mean, I got to like sleep after, so I guess it was just fine. <laughs> oh man, yeah, no, I had a friend who um, he he just went to sleep right after lectures, and then woke up and then went back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how about you, Guillermo? Well, I I was really lucky that I live in the same time zone as Yale, so. Honestly, like timing was not uh, something bad for me. It was like quite easy for me to stay awake. Although waking up, like quarantine really screwed over with my sleeping schedule. So it was kind of hard to wake up at 11 a.m. Well, I'm used to waking up at 1 p.m. Yes, I'm not a productive (laughs) member of society. But yeah, that was the hardest part, waking up in the first place. But after you did that, I could get rolling till, I don't know, 12 p.m. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think for me, it was I was lucky in the in the sense that I was in the same time zone, um, and I did the AM session, so pretty early mornings, waking up at six forty five, but nothing too bad. Yeah, um, for me, I, I I decided not to choose the AM session, go for the PM because I'm in California, which is on the West Coast, so I didn't have to wake up as early as I would have had to if I chose the AM. Thank God. <laughs> I don't think I could ever live with having a lecture or a seminar at midnight or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still had trouble waking up. It was like seven. I'd wake up for like yeah. an eight o'clock lecture, but I was not awake. <laughs> I could never. I could never, honestly. Man, like coffee, tea. I yeah. I just need all of that. <laughs> 
Yeah, so I guess next question, what was your favorite part about YYGS Connect? I felt definitely family time. Um, I was honestly lucky enough that I got to like attend a family time with such amazing people. And we were all so diverse. I I wasn't expecting for us to be to get like close in such a short span of time. But I feel that even though that we were diverse, we had so many similarities and we connected on so many various things that I would have not imagined. So I would definitely say family time was my favorite thing. Yeah, same here. I mean, like, we had really, really, really interesting conversations. Like, at one point, we started talking about lawn mowing competitions. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I mean, you know, we, none of us actually have ever used a lawn mower, but we were all just like, hey, lawn mowers? competition let's go guys (laughs) yeah i think definitely the community the people and the diversity for me was like definitely a big part of ygs because you know it i guess with the connect uh what it allowed people to do is it allowed people to open up a lot more because you know they were so comfortable being uh you know in front of a camera or or using these you know different kinds of social medias to connect um, and so, you know, for me, definitely, uh, we had a really tight, fun group over in PLE. Um, <laughs> we, were, <laughs> we were coordinating Zoom backgrounds, you know, we were dressing up, we were having these like Netflix parties and like just being able to connect with people from all around the world and just and, and find like common interests was really, a really big part for me. Yeah, honestly, family time was really the best thing for me. Um, it made me. It really made me realize that people over at admissions are not playing with this. Like they really want a certain profile of people. Like um, all the people that I met through YYGS is honestly um, the same as I consider myself to be. Like they're they're open, but they're not like uh, clowns. Like they are uh, funny to a certain extent. They are also very um, ambitious. Like they, they will always be talking about what, what are you going to do next? And honestly, it's it's uh, it's the great thing about virtual uh, virtual uh, conferences and stuff because you can now do all of this stuff uh, through your like from the comfort of your of your own bed. Like I was on my bed like the whole the whole uh, summer camp. Definitely. No, like, I don't think I could have survived without blankets around me mm-hmm. at, like, 24-7. <laughs> like, it's summer, man. I, I need my comfort. <laughs> yeah. No, like, family time. Yeah, no, we, um, I really also love the games that we played in family time, right? I don't know about you guys, but we played this draw, draw phone thing. It's, like, a telephone game where we had to draw what we were given and then the next person had to guess what we drew mm-hmm. with, like, really, oh, wow. really, yeah. That's... That sounds so In, uh, cool. Yeah. With, like, I art. think it's, like, a, yeah, draw telephone. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. interesting. I think there's a lot of, um, a lot of online, I saw a lot of challenges like that. Mm-hmm. And I think we also got really close to our families. It was, like, we still talk to this day. It's, like, and we're um, coordinating Zoom calls later because I don't think I could survive without them. They're honestly... The best people I've ever met outside of my own school. Yeah, honestly, I agree. I mean, um, like how Noah said that even if we weren't there, I mean, we were there. I guess I think Noah said that. And um, it's just like, I 
the YYGS like really you know made it like such an um an exciting experience for us um because uh even even though like we were sitting you know like you're at in like in our cities in our in our home in our comfort setting i mean we honestly collect connected at a real level um because i don't know what happened i feel i felt like our instructors i had sophia and she was just amazing like you know all the games made us have to connect and we got to know each other i felt that the facebook group also helped us a lot because i honestly talked to like so many people just before you know even byyjs started so i i mean they did a really great job this time definitely no like at the beginning of the program i was just like man i wish that i could have went to yale and like like the first 3 days was just completely me being like man why why the pandemic why does why do things have to be like this but like at the end i was like i was really glad that you know even if we had to stay home and do why we just from our own homes i was really glad that it gave us a different opportunity to meet people from you know where we are more comfortable where we are more familiar with i think i think that's definitely something that also also i think this could reach out to a fo- like a lot more people right because if people aren't able to travel for any reasons i think yyjs connect it really helped connect all of us and it gets also i think it let allows you to uh learn about you know not only different cultures but i think um different aspects of of the connect students lives that you wouldn't have learned about if you had been on campus like for example in our family time um i had one one of my friends um who's also from michigan but he plays the marimba and it was so cool because um i actually arranged a piece of music for this one of my friends to play on the marimba and we had this little like talent show kind of like concert thing during one of our family times and i don't think we would have been able to have the time or or have the uh you know uh, facilitate uh, we, we would not be able to facilitate something like that um had we have been on campus so i think it's almost like a blessing in disguise um i totally agree with that and honestly i feel that if i if we would have been on campus I felt that I would not have connected with so many people as well. Like you know, I honestly made such an effort to go and connect with everybody, and we didn't know like which person was doing which session. So because of that, I or I talked to more people. I felt that if we went there, I mean, that would have been amazing. Definitely staying on the Yale campus, but <laughs> um, but. I felt that it would have been very different like the people that we would have interacted with we might have I don't know restricted ourselves and I felt that this just gave us such a good opportunity to connect like honestly definitely yeah. I I I still so, kind of miss seeing everyone's faces <laughs> I know I'm so sad. yeah <laughs> it took me a whole week to adjust my sleep schedule back again like because i used to wake up so early just to get ready and not look like a piece of trash in the front of the camera but um now that they are not there like i can no longer see them I'm like well what the hell are we going to do now <laughs> right no like no my hair it was a, it was like i have crazy bad hair but like throughout the week yeah. i was like no my hair i will make sure this is good hair now it's like whatever what hair <laughs> yeah it forces you kind of it forces you kind of clean yourself up a little bit yeah man um, cuz you know you're going to be in front of a camera i have one question for for our guests 
Um, so going forward, um, you know, this is this is definitely an unprecedented time, uh, you know, when we have to, you know, first time in its history where we've, where we've had to shift um, from Yale Young Global Scholars to Yale Young Global Scholars Connect. Um, but definitely in the future, um, either if it's still if we're still doing YYGS Connect or if we're um, if the future um, generation of, of YYGS classes are back on the Yale campus, uh, you know, what is one thing that you would want to tell uh, one piece of advice or one thing that you want to tell to either, you know, uh, prospective YYGS students or, you know, future YYGS students? What's one thing that you'd want to say to them? Um, so I'll start with application based. I felt that um, I, I really like filling up the application um, because I love the way that they, you know, asked us about our, our thinking of diversity and uh, what do we think about it. And uh, diversity is the main thing that really matters at YYGS. And I feel that, you know, till the time you're not authentic and you don't feel towards an issue or a cause, I don't feel that you belong at YYGS because people here are so compassionate about things. They are doing so many things all over the world and it's just not for um, college applications. I've seen people are just so passionate and they want to make a change in the society and, you know, they're so accepting. So I just, I think that that's the one thing that I would say for like people applying. Then for the experience, for, for, my, for the experience, I would say just connect with everybody. Honestly, and don't be scared because the first day of my family time and I was so scared and I was like, oh my God, how are the people going to be? Or how, I mean, how are they going to react? Are they going to be mean? And, you know, honestly, I had that thing, that preconceived notion in my mind. And, but honestly, people are so accepting. They, they want to connect with you. And I feel that you just have to give, give them a chance. I feel that interaction is the most important thing at YYGS um, Connect here or at YYGS. Like, I feel like I, like how I was talking earlier that it's just like, don't be restricted to maybe your session um, people or go out, go meet with the PLE students, the LPC students, the ASC BBS students, because they're all so amazing and they have such different perspectives and ideas and they're also amazing. Yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Guillermo, what's one thing that you would, you know, advise students who are looking to apply to YYGS or something that you'd, one of the main takeaways that you want to share to future students? Well, uh, as Adi said, it's very important to appreciate diversity and to not be scared of it. My um, my first family sessions, my first family times were um, kind of awkward for me, especially since everybody was like sharing their accomplishments and goals. They were talking about themselves like, oh, um, I feel so out of place uh, within here. Like I shouldn't be here. And that's something that literally invited my mind. It was an intrusive thought that kept coming back to me that those first sessions. But after some time and getting to know people, and um, living all my shyness away, like to not be shy with them. I honestly uh, felt like I fit in. So if you are looking for some some place where people are, uh, first of all, diverse, they have many interests, 
and also a place where um, you can kind of show your best face, it would be YYGS. So in the application process, it actually took me like a long time to fill the application. I think I started it on November and I submitted it the day before it was due. And it was partly because I was a procrastinator, but also because um, I didn't know what to write about. And that's something that, especially with the think of diversity question, like that was the hardest one for me because I never put myself to think about it. So my advice for um, YYGS applicants would be to really get out of your comfort zone in order to be able to think in a in in a good way about diversity and other issues that you might not face every day. All right, yeah, exactly. Um, Ivan, what about you? Uh, for me, haha. <laughs> to be honest, I did not even want to apply. But my friend was just like, you should try it. And I'm like, okay, sure, why not? So, and like, as I was applying, I was like, wow. Um, I, I spent so much time kind of like Yermo, I struggled with the idea of what, what should I talk about diversity? Because in where I live, it's not really that diverse. We live in a bubble and it's like having to come up with that definition. That was definitely something. I had to think about. So for applicants, I'd say, take your time on it, plan it out and take your time to think about it. It's not something that everyone can just write in a matter of a day or two. Heck, I spent like weeks. And yeah. about my experience, I'd say it definitely got me out of my shell. Like, I don't think I would have ever, ever talked to anyone outside of California if it weren't for this this program. So it's really rewarding and you get to meet so many awesome, amazing people. Yeah. Well, I mean, what great advice um, from, from these YYGS students, I think definitely. And, and, and for me, uh, and obviously, you know, I can't speak uh, for the YYGS ad admissions team, but I think a big thing that, that they're really trying to target is, is like Adi said, authenticity. Um, you know, a lot of times in these, in these super prestigious, uh, programs and, and especially um, because YYGS application is is modeled off of the the actual Yale admission undergraduate admissions application. You know, a lot of people think that it's their you know they have to try to try really hard to impress. Um, and I would just say to that, um, you know, it's important to you know have your accomplishments and and, and these things that you've done. Uh, it's important to have that show. But, you know, if you're a student that's really passionate about, you know, what YYGS is trying to teach you um, and you have, you know, that drive to um, take that next step and apply for YYGS, you already have, um, chances are you already have the accomplishments and the honors and the awards and all this, you know, all this big stuff that you've done um, to, to really um, impress a lot of people. And so don't try too hard um, to over impress and to, to tell everyone about what you've done. I would say, try to be genuine, try to be honest and try to be curious, try to reflect on, you know, what the questions are. Um, because if you try to fit uh, the question to just another accomplishment that you've done, it's going to come off um, as, as synthetic and, and, and not going to speak too much to the person that you actually are. So if you try and be genuine, 
If you try and let your own voice speak, that is the most important thing you can do in those applications. And I think for the experience, just like everyone has said, put yourself out there. That's the most important thing. Um, you know, everyone has a fear of putting themselves out there, you know, um, if they're going to be popular, if they're going to kind of um, you know, stay in the shadows for the two weeks of the duration. Put yourself out there. Um, everyone is in the same position that you are. Uh, everyone's trying to meet new people. Everyone's trying to make new friends. Um, it's not like one uh, one group is, is so close day one. Everyone is in the same position. So put yourself out there. Meet new people. It's such a diverse group. Definitely. All right. So we'll take a quick break. And we'll be back to talk about our guest passions. Hey guys, welcome back to YYGS Beyond. We will now begin our topic discussion today about food. Yum. <laughs> but wait, Ivan, what we're really here to talk about is the lack of food and what people are doing to help. Right, right, right. Food shortages around the globe affect more than 820 million individuals in 2018, according to the UN, leading to undernourishment or the lack of even enough daily calories to get by. Yes, Ivan, now we're on track. The issue is being impacted by global warming, which, believe it or not, is actually tied to many of the problems. For instance, recently, as many of you may have heard, locust swarms have been in the news a while back. These swarms are interesting in that they appeared after a series of freak cyclones that left lakes on the Arabian Peninsula, leading to the growth of vegetation and what was once arid desert giving rise to locust swarms that are now plaguing the eastern coast of Africa, threatening food supplies on a continent where malnutrition and undernourishment already affect almost 240 million people. And this is only one example of how global warming has contributed to this issue. Political unrest and wars also add on to the impact of food shortage in undeveloped countries and countries struggling with such social issues such as Bolivia and Yemen. Now with the pandemic, these issues are only being magnified by the further lack of access to fresh food and aid. Although international organizations such as the United Nations and 
the World Health Organization, along with programs such as the World Food Program and Action Against Hunger, actively support these people with supplies and aid, there's still so much that needs to be done. Food security is an important issue, and today we're joined by Adi Singh and Guillermo Mendoza Franco, again, uh, who have done a lot of work, uh, social work, in terms of food security. Welcome back, guys. Thank you. So we've been talking about food shortages and how they lead to malnutrition people all around the world, but really, what are the factors that have led us here? Um... Honestly, there are a lot of factors. I mean, I can definitely talk about my country, India in particular. Um, first of all, India is is a very poor country, as in the sense it has a lot of poverty, and uh, that's and that really affects you know the type of diet as well as they take it, like they consume. Uh, so. I mean, there's a there's a shortage of food. Definitely, I would say that. But for for like, but for my country, I can say that it's it's because like people are poor and I and can't afford it. And even if they have some money, uh, they you know they end up spending it on drugs or alcohol, and uh, maybe you know they maybe buy a can of soda or maybe um start uh, or buy a packet of chips. And that's how it leads to undernourishment. They do not get the right kind of nutrients that they need. And um, I can say that about a lot of children, even in India. So what is happening? I'm honestly focusing on the on the younger generation and the kind of food that they need. So our, our government was generous enough to start a midday a midday meals uh, scheme, where they provide food. Every day for lunch, uh, in schools, in the government schools, and um, f- because people can't afford it, and a lot of children avoid coming to school because they get tired and or are not earning money. So that's why, and that's why the government introduced this. But the but the next problem that comes with this is that the right kind of nutrients that they need. It's, um, you know, they maybe give you. Um, a packet of juice or um, they might give you um, I don't know some fried stuff maybe you, the, 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 there's this famous thing in India called samosas and they're deep fried and they're not healthy at all for your body and what the kids right now honestly need is um, supplements like egg uh, lentils um, maybe Maybe veggies, like honestly, nobody likes veggies, but we need them. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, so that that's what the kind of issue that is there in India, I would say. I I I was lucky enough to travel because of tennis, and I was staying at at a camp I was attending in France, and the the amount of you know nutrition that they gave, and it was so important and. It actually impacted, you know, my tennis and the way that I was playing. I, I had energy all the time, and I was honestly so healthy. Um, and you know, when I came back to India, I was I was helping children in NGOs who were particularly doing sports, helping them. And then one day, I actually I went into a I went into the classroom, and this NGO they they were taking classes, and I saw them getting that midday meal scheme. And 
the, the you know when i saw that food i was like oh my god what are these kids having i mean they, they're not able to pay attention in class and the and you know everybody has been wondering what is going on why why aren't they, why aren't they able to do it um so i i did a lot of research and i found out that what's the reason what's what's it behind and um then i i for children it's it's really difficult for, to make them understand so i started to write uh, I, i wrote two children's books and um so my first book honestly aimed at a lot of nutrition but it was non vegetarian and in india people actually are vegetarian the majority i mean they like to have uh, vegetables and they have lentils and stuff but but they don't uh, so so my next book aimed at just focusing on on the indian kids and the amount of food that that's that is available because for so many for so many children we have to realize that chicken or eggs is just not available because it is expensive for them so i i, I honestly i started focusing on that and i've been tied up with a lot of um ngos now and i've been I even tried to help cancer patients um, to help their diet improve because um, they also need the, the right amount of nutrition. I feel that we really need to step it up in terms of spreading information about what is right to eat. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think I'm. I think I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of it comes down to education. and what we as a community can come together to do but I also wanted to talk to Guillermo because you're working to help provide families in the pandemic that are lacking food like you you're helping to provide food for them right in your community would you like to talk a little bit about that yeah sure so the situation in bolivia has quite similar origins to that to that of india um people in bolivia are very poor in general like the average uh, bolivian citizen is not uh, does not eat well um partly because of education but i think it's mostly because of um like financial their financial situation so a couple of years ago students from my university uh at my city at cochabamba decided to start this sort of food bank where um people could donate food and and money for them to buy food and they would just uh distribute it to families who they who they um uh, considered that needed them like they have a whole application process for that so uh fast forward to like <laughs> one week before YYGS started um a couple of friends of me and uh a teacher were brainstorming about what can we do to help the situation cuz covid over here is really um hitting us all like very hard like everyone has uh a family member who has deceased or was infected so um we were like what can we do to help and we we really uh thought that it was something that we needed to do like we needed to help some way and somehow the idea of helping people with food security uh popped up so uh we started we founded uh our organization which is called Bolivian Youth for Awareness and we launched our first campaign um which is called in Spanish 
amor a la pancita, apoyando a familias, eh, a familias en necesidad, which would dar directly translate to the English as loving the tummy, but they somehow uh, decided to be like, oh no, that's, that doesn't sound good. So they changed it to um, supporting hardworking families only. And so how do we operate? Um, we are receiving donations from students from our school and from other people from the US and everywhere. And uh, we then proceed to give the, this money to We, we use this money to buy uh, food and we give this food to the Banco de Alimentos. So we aim to like help 175 people at the very least with the amount of money that we got so far. And yeah, it's uh, kind of complicated since uh, due to COVID, we have like so many restrictions over here. Like there's quarantine uh, from Friday, like lockdown from Friday to, to Monday. So you cannot do much uh, these days of the week and meeting up and everything. And even uh, coordinating with uh, people over at Banco de Alimentos is kind of hard, you know? Definitely. And like the pandemic has made it much harder to fight so many issues since it has as well highlighted so many more issues around the globe, especially in the U.S. and a lot of other places. So I guess we also want to ask, how has it made it harder to help fight the issue or how has it made it even worse, maybe around the globe? And also, how can we as the audience help out? What are programs that we or that the listeners can get actively involved in and get involved in their own community? Um. Honestly, I feel that right now, you know, because of the pandemic, it's really difficult for us to um, go out and, um, and you know, reach a larger audience maybe. But I feel, I feel that personally, make small goals, maybe um, start, start by helping out um, people that are in your community and, uh, you know, maybe close to you and where you see where you can help uh, and uh, definitely we have i mean in india i mean we all have started a lot of um how we're raising money like um glamour said and uh, it's it's really helped us and people are coming forward and are generous enough but still you know um i i don't know about bolivia but new delhi has like um I don't know how to put it in wait wait I mean like calculate it like three crore people maybe um th wait how do we how do we sorry I'm just a little bit confused with the American numbers that's all right um, so so it's it's a really big population to aim at and I feel that you know what I am trying to do is that connect with people with who are doing the same cause and you know start start uh, interacting with people and formulate ideas how you can go forward because this is honestly not a one-man job that you can achieve in a really short period of time It, it's going to take months and years to achieve this and right now in the pandemic it's just that help out maybe you know people from 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 a community or a neighborhood you you guys gather money or you guys help bring them food and provide them adequate shelter maybe you know help them help them get the necessities that you know if you if you're able enough and uh i feel that 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 is right now the most 
important thing that we can do or that's like the only thing that we can do right now because you know we are as well as in lockdown and yeah i'll pass it on okay um thanks for that so in bolivia the unemployment rate is projected to double uh due to this pandemic by the end of 2020 so it w- it would go up from a 4% to a 8% uh and that's like really that's really high if you really think about it bolivia only has around 11 million people but um like having around 8 800,000 people not a, not having a job is really going to affect these families and their capacity to buy food the pandemic more specifically in my community uh, has really affected the informal sector which is where most families get their income from so uh all of this uh like this 4% that would be doubled um comes from this informal sector losing their jobs and honestly it sucks it's looking at this issue which is so so big for one person to just tackle it's um really hard so what i think that we could do as individuals first of all is to donate to to fundraisers we know um both locally and internationally like help is always always uh it's always needed so um yeah if you're listening out there you should donate to any fundraiser you see on the internet instagram or whatever um the second thing we can do is share about these fundraisers and about any other foundation that's helping people uh with this issue and not only food issues but also other sorts of problems like um I what I saw a donation campaign uh, going around on Insta where people um were collecting medical supplies so uh, you can help any sort of campaign or uh you know where people uh will gather donations you should help those and share about them and finally as Ari said we have to also be tackling uh covid not only actively but passively and the way we do this is by by staying home respecting lockdowns quarantines whatever it's i know it's hard and it's really hard for everybody believe me it's even taken a toll on my mental health but if we get to you know stop the this disease from spreading only by staying home and protecting ourselves and those who are the closest to us I think uh we can make an impact as a collective youth all around the world. Wow. Well, I mean, this is just uh, I think a perfect example of of, you know, kids, um, you know, adolescents that um that are really doing something important. And, you know, there's always this um the stigma that oh, you're too young to make a change, you're too young to make an impact. you're too young to start doing social work, but you know, for everyone listening out there, you know, these are perfect examples of you don't have to save the world at 16 or 17. You know, you can start, you can take one step um and you know, even that little step and that that thing that you're doing um as as a 16 or 17 year old um is still making an impact um in our world. And so, well thank you so much guys and that's a wrap uh for our episode for today. Thank you again so much to Adi Singh and Guillermo Mendoza Franco. Thank you so much for inviting us and it was just so much fun interacting with you guys. I felt that, you know, it's such an amazing thing that you're doing, you know, reaching out to people um 
kids like us and i feel that you know what ivan said that you know it's just we just have to start we you know if we start and you know we, even if we take one step it does make a difference believe it or not it actually does and you know whatever you do it's actually for the good for the better good and um you know you know in you know encourage other people maybe and uh, by what you're doing and just just ha- just maybe you know feel something about it that you know maybe start doing something that you feel strongly towards that you might have experienced because you know the world does need people you know like like Ivan Glamo and Noah who who want to do something for the community and uh, yeah thank you so much again thank you both uh well thank you to Adi for this opportunity it was really nice to talk to you and as she said um it's never you you oh, well as noah said it's never you one never is too young to help every single every single effort you put into into helping uh, a campaign or just to tackle an issue in general it's always going to have an impact um, we have to believe in uh, the butterfly effect so every little thing that you do will have a repercussion a positive repercussion in something good you do uh, in a greater movement So thank you guys uh once again and it was really fun to talk to you. Thank you again Adi and Guillermo and thank you for everyone listening out there. Uh you can visit protein.net that is p r o t e n t e e n.net for more on Adi's work in India and at Bolivian Youth for Awareness on Instagram for more on Guillermo's work. You can learn more about what we discussed today at our Instagram at yygsbeyond. And remember to like and subscribe to this podcast from wherever you're listening. If you guys have any questions for us or want to be featured on the podcast, just message us on Instagram or email at yygsbeyond@gmail.com. Tune in next time where we'll be talking to two YYGS Connect alumni, Eric Zhang and Matthew Lee, who are spreading the word and discussing social issues on a broader scale. So stay tuned. Thank you to Melissa Duelli for helping us with getting the podcast off the ground and thanks to Yale Young Global Scholars for letting us use their name. Most importantly, thank you to you guys the listeners. Music is composed by our very own co-host Noah Tan. So check him out on Instagram and SoundCloud at, at Noah H10 that is N O A H H T A N. Please remember that all views expressed on this podcast are those of our own and do not reflect the views of YYGS and Yale University. Until next time. See ya. See ya.